word. We open our hearts and our minds to your word and we thank you that the anointing helps that process. We thank you for your presence, for your power, for your anointing in this place. And we bless you this day, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So today we're going to talk about the glory road. Or the glory, glory road. The glory, glory road. What is the glory road? Well, we'll uh, attempt to define it. Because in the Bible there are uh, allusions to the fact that we are going somewhere. Amen. We are on our way somewhere. I remember uh, reading a book. Uh, I think it was Bishop Merritt wrote it uh, some years back. My faith is taking me somewhere. And uh, I thought that was an appropriate uh, book to write. In fact it was a very good interesting book. It was you know it was one of those books you can read not not. Uh, um, didn't take a lot of time and when you're finished you think well boy is that all there is to it you know seldom do you get anything anything written (laughs) these days that there's not too much fluff in it but it was very very interesting uh, his personal relationship with God and how God used uh, his faith to get all the things that were necessary in his ministry and his life and those things to him uh, that way. And so I think it's appropriate to say that because many times people don't see faith as something that's taking them somewhere. as a vehicle uh, that's taking you somewhere and that we are on a road, not a journey. We're on a road. There's a difference. Uh, many people uh, talk about a journey as it's some kind of wandering meandering thing but we have very specific things that we are to accomplish on this road and so it's very important for us to understand it and understand that we are going somewhere I think when people backslide or they uh, forget about God and don't pursue God it's because they have gotten uh, sat down somewhere on the road. They are taking a time out. Uh, they've taken some kind of diversion off of the road. They've become distracted uh, by something that they've seen on the road that's piqued their curiosity or their interest more than following God. But in John fourteen sixteen. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do I have that right? Oh, 14.6, I'm sorry. Jesus said to him, in response to a question, he's talking about the kingdom and about his father's house. So let not your heart be troubled. In in, um, verse 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. And that first verse should tell, answer a lot of questions for the Buddhist, for the uh, Muslim, for the, if you believe in God or whatever you call him, you must believe also in Jesus, his son. They come as a package. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's a marriage proposal. And where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how will we know the way? And he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
Amen. And so Jesus went on to explain that he and the Father are one. When you see him you see the Father. The Father sent him that he might bring these truths to the world. So the glory road is the road that Jesus is on. He says I am the way. Once you contact me then you're on the way to the Father. You're on the road to glory. You're on the glory road. The fall of man signified a fall from grace and the presence of God. Everything that we need uh, to uh, function in life, to have a good life, is found in the presence of God or is found with God. Uh, Adam was in the full presence of God and surrounded by the weight and glory of God. He was the first naked worshiper. You got me? <laughs> now that means something different in our day and age because uh, nakedness came with the fall where he was aware of it but he was naked all the time and that is symbolic of not having anything of separating you from God you got me Uh, you had a close fellowship with God and so God has desired to get that relationship back with us since Adam sinned you got me and that is to break down separations break down walls break iniquity off of us break sin off of us break the carnal mindset away from us so that he can have total fellowship free fellowship you can enjoy free fellowship with God so that there are no barriers between us any longer it's wonderful that's why wives bug their husbands all the time well honey tell me what you think and they they get very upset with men when they clam up and don't say anything because everybody wants to have walls and barriers broken down want to get to know one another not be ashamed of our past or our faults our weaknesses imperfections all that kind of stuff that's what God wants to get beyond with us so that he can have free access to relationship with us and can help the things that we think are troubling us or, or not what we want them to be so you can't help somebody if they can't relate to you you don't have contact with them you don't have access you don't have an openness they can't confess what they need to confess all of that God wants to get all of the barriers out of the way so that he can have free worship and access to us by the Holy Spirit and so when Adam fell he was stripped of the glory and his eyes were open to his carnality his bare bareness before God and and that became a bad thing whereas before in the presence of God it was a good thing it was there was no hindrance to the relationship you know it was wonderful and so as as he took on iniquity and took on iniquity he shrunk back farther and farther from God and so he stepped off of the glory road right there in the garden in the full presence of of all of the good things that God had for him uh, he uh, the woman was deceived and the man entered into the transgression with her by way of covenant promise and it's been going on ever since you know one person gets deceived the other person enters into it that's how sin is is propagated 
all it takes is one one goofed up person to start the whole ball rolling they get other people involved with them you know in that uh, the devil only has to to get in in one individual and he can affect the whole situation and bible uh, not the bible but you know people have a a saying that says one rotten apple spoils the whole barrel and so these life is an infectious kind of of thing where ideas and so forth get um um, spoken and they get carried from one person to the next to the next i don't care how crazy the idea is somebody's gonna always believe it you know and they sometimes people don't stop to discern is that true where does that come from if it sounds tickles their ears the right way they'll embrace it and they'll they'll walk around believing uh, such nonsense so uh, his eyes were opened to his nakedness and it was a negative thing it was a carnal see it, your your eyes behold what your mind tells it you're looking at in the presence of God Adam's mind was pure so everything was pure that's still true the Bible says to the pure all things are pure to the perverse or wicked person everything's bad you see and so when when his eyes when he he under his deception and his the iniquity that came over his mind because of that then everything he looked at was was shameful it was carnal it was degraded it was rough it was bad it was all these negative ideas started to bear fruit in his in his mind so much so that God had to remove them from the garden lest they eat from the tree of life and eternally be in a fallen state and so in until that time though he only knew himself in the presence of God and that's what God wants back when we talk about redemption we are being purchased back into that place where we only know ourselves and others in the presence of God which means that all we want to know about anybody is what God says about them that's why God's not big on telling sharing what's wrong with other people with us he's big on sharing what's wrong with you with you and not so much talking about it but giving you a remedy for it you know just tell me about it let's get it out of the way and let's go on and enjoy life you got me that's God's remedy for everything that ails us so knowing oneself outside of the glory of God brings forth shame and a sense of lack so poverty goes along with shame and then certain death because that was what God promised them in the day that they ate of that tree they would surely die so these uh, negative forces that attack a person's soul brings him into death at some point physical death now we know with the new birth we live eternally our spirit and our soul live eternally but uh, you are subject to die once unless Jesus tarries and, and pretty much everybody dies once you know he hasn't come back yet for us for the, us alive so we lack the glory of God when we have that sense of shame that sense of poverty inadequacy uh, insecurities all of those uh, negative forces spiritual forces that attack the human soul attack it because we are outside of the glory of God 
So God has made a way back for us to get back into his glory, to get back into his presence, to get back into fullness of life for us. Because uh, that's the best place for the human being is to be in the presence of God. The thing that keeps people away from God is their sense of of not knowing how what is keeping them from feeling comfortable about God is going to be taken away. They don't know how it's going to change. How am I uh, with all the wrong that I've done in my life ever going to feel good about myself this is a mystery to them so the gospel presents a great mystery that's why it takes an act of faith to just lay that concern down and trust that the prayer that you pray to let God take over your life is going to do what needs to be done so there must be faith in operation at all times in God's word and his remedy for this problem to get us back on the glory road so it begins really you're the first step on that road begins when you become aware of your lack now there are times when when people are are broke financially as sinners i'm talking about you know we all did this before we came to know the lord but you look to something that was going to where that poverty was going to end so payday was your god you know or somebody you could borrow something off somebody until payday that became your god and so there was always a sense that there was a remedy but it was off in the distance somewhere it wasn't there right there but you put your faith and your confidence in some type of remedy coming to you that would alleviate that lack in in repentance when you are coming to a a place where god wants to put you back on the road to him back in his glory that remedy is not there anymore to help us you remember how you felt you 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 just said oh i gotta have some something nothing's working anymore uh you know if i don't get a change in my life i'm just gonna die there was that feeling that sinking feeling where nothing was going to help you so payday wasn't going to help you some people who were dependent upon drugs and alcohol if they could get another drink or another snort or another toke or something like that they could look to a a relief and a remedy well in repentance when God is bringing you to a conviction of the root cause of your problem which is your your sin that was passed on to you from Adam then all of those remedies don't work because he's closed the door to those see this is God working in a person's life so when they're they don't feel they feel restless they don't know what's wrong if i could just get something uh in my life that's going to give me a change and that desperation that comes with them that's when the the lord opens that door of repentance for them and the glory road begins on the other side of repentance it never begins on this side they can have glimpses of god's goodness 
through intercession say for instance somebody's uh, in a bad way their family's in a bad way kids are on drugs everything's messed up you intercede for them and they see a relief from that situation but then that final relief never is offered to them until they submit to the Lord there's always going to be another problem there's always going to be another issue there's always going to be another something even though they've seen a glimpse of his glory they've seen an answer to prayer they've seen God do a miracle that's why sometimes we wonder with people well you mean God's done all that for them they still don't want to serve God you know that kind of thing that it comes gets to be a little incredible to us that a person can have that kind of knowledge of God but still they have to wait for that door to be open to them see God knows when that heart is ready to convert and until that time we just obey God on their behalf we we allow them to know the gospel we allow them to know that they can have God personally for themselves and they may continue to put it off and continue to put it off it's because God is still working true repentance into their hearts it's got to be a real thing uh, other than that their their faith is in vain you know I mean and their lots of people running around in churches that don't have that true conversion they're just running along with the crowd you know what I'm saying they get in there and get a a feel-good message a happy message and they're accepted everywhere that Christians are accepted they're involved in everything everybody else is involved in and they they just kind of are drifting along but then there's God see God is still working in that individual's heart he is still doing his job and when that day comes when that full conviction of their sin comes then they will repent and they will cry out to God if they get a brain you know most people don't know how to resist that you take a lifeline it's like a drowning person all they want is a lifeline they don't care who's pulling the who pulling them into shore you know they don't care who's on the other end of the lifeline they just want to be saved and so when people come to that point then the glory road opens to them personally and that's where God wants everybody at on their personal walk with him on that glory road so it we, it begins when we come to an awareness of our lack and it doesn't go away it's always there and that it's a conviction for our sin and it begins when God presents himself at the door of our hearts he has to knock himself in Revelation 3.20 he says I stand at the door and knock if anybody will invite me in I will come in and sup with him. But what is that sup about? It's forming a covenant. <laughs> yeah apart from that meat, meat for the belly belly for the meat we all know that one. Like Paul said, don't y'all have houses y'all can eat in? Why y'all eat every time I come? <laughs> but no, it's a covenant. When he says, I will come in and sup with him. So the covenant meal really was the last step in the covenant. All the other steps having been completed. The last one is to seal it up with a rejoicing and a meal we share we share life together now so the glory road begins at the end of the road of shame and lack isn't that wonderful so when you get to the end of that carnal life that you thought you were going to go to hell for and 
then opens up this great big whole nother kingdom you never knew was there and the road that that uh, Jesus is on with you because he says I am the way I'm the road so when Jesus knocks at the door and we let him in he becomes the road for us so we more or less walk on him in him with him through him he's 100% laid out for us uh, for for our journey no I shouldn't say journey our, our road our walk with him we allow him in and let him lead us on the glory road and he also accompanies us so the glory road leads to heaven and is paved with faith as a dominant force but other fruit of the spirit as well so this pavement that we walk on so to speak sustains us as we walk on this road there is no such thing as not being able to continue in God because everything's provided for you everything's provided so he becomes the road for us and we allow him in we let him lead us on this road now the glory road leads to heaven and and we said it's paved with all of the fruit of the spirit faith being the dominant one so and that's why the life in God was also referred to as the way and it was referred to as the faith because faith is such a dominant part it takes it takes such such a large uh aspect of what's needed to stay on the road with god you know uh, many times people of great faith didn't know how to walk in joy because it was traditional the church people looked like they just had a a, a, a grapefruit you know <laughs> throughout the service you know what I'm saying or a, or a lemon in the service and so people and in fact I was reading somewhere uh, in the first photographs that professional photographs that were taken people weren't allowed to smile when their picture was taken you ever notice that in the 1800s all those deadpan looking and it was somebody I saw somebody like in the pawn people you know pawning some old stuff and they said well you know it wasn't until so and so that people were allowed to smile in their photographs I thought, oh my goodness so that deadpan expression is kind of traditional for human beings I think but anyway um, many people can sustain themselves with very little fruit of the spirit because they have to be tapped into by the fullness of the spirit so when we have these revivals and Pentecostal type outpourings that's when joy comes forth where people are glad to be serving God uh, but oftentimes in, in non-spirit filled environments there's not much joy to go around you understand what I'm saying I mean that's one of the fruit that, that people uh, tend to shy away from because traditionally Christians aren't quote unquote happy people uh, I know during the uh, Jesus movement we saw a lot of happy people we ain't all sure they was high on the Holy Ghost but I think it was kind of a tongue in cheek moment for God you know to show Christians that yes you are supposed to be joyful you know you would have some of them everybody would be in these uh, hippie type parties I'm stoned on Jesus man you didn't know if he was really telling the truth or if you understand what I'm saying and so God really kind of let those two kind of grow up together uh you remember when they would uh uh 
Chuck Smith, the 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 uh, pastor. What's that church called? It's still a. Uh, yeah, that when Calvary Chapel in uh, uh, in California, they would go out to the the ocean and baptize people. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people frolicking around out there with the real converts and the, you know, and they just all went and had the party together and they, uh, whatever, whatever. And so it's one of those things where uh, God kind of looks at it and says, "Now this is really what I want my people to to be like. I want them to have the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Without joy, you're not going to last very long. I'll tell you, discouragement causes more people to backslide where they they once were faithful to God and hit a road bump and didn't know how to quit complaining about the bump they hit." It's really all that goes on. Uh, these are common occurrences to people on the road to to uh, heaven, on the road to the fulfillment of what God has for you. And if you don't know how to get your joy out of the experience of, of everyday life with God, it's going to be real hard to tough it out to the end. Without that, without that overcoming power in you, uh, you just won't, you won't do it. You'll, you'll be there, but you'll have a lot of casualties. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times people spread that on to other people. Other people become victims of their anger and upset. And, you know, look at the people that we know personally, um, that when they leave the ministry, they'll go call other people who are still here to try and get them to do the same thing. And so when you hit bumps in the road, that's a time for you to go on with God get yourself healed repent get yourself straightened out and get up and get on your feet and keep going again you know sit there and and rub your sore feet uh, like that's really going to do something for you and so when we have that that uh, opportunity on the road to stay on there let's stay on there because there's strength on that road there's uh, food for you to partake of spiritual food everything that you need to be sustained is on that road and it's there in abundance you don't ever have to look at uh, yourself as being some poor thing who's making all the sacrifices you know i don't have anything for myself that's a lie you need to get over in the fullness of the road quit walking on the curb on the edge not wanting to get over in the fullness you know because you don't want to lose something of yourself you're supposed to have already laid that down so that you can enjoy the ride enjoy the walk enjoy what God's doing in your life so on the glory road the Old Testament glory road, or this is before the New Testament, it started with Adam. He was shown the animal sacrifice as a way to glory. That was the way back into God's presence. There must be shed blood at the beginning of the glory road. Is no without the shedding of blood, there is no remittance of your sin, and you are. In religion, if you think you're on that road and you've never repented, you've never gotten yourself cleansed in the blood. So this is how we enter the road of glory. That that road, there's a, a blood bath at the beginning of that road and you must step into it. Amen. Moses was given charge of the descendants of Israel as God's heirs of the promises of glory through the law. There was glory in that law. 
even though there were a lot of there was a lot of not able to perform it stuff there there was a degree of glory because you got the word of God you understood something about God there was an essence about God in all of it I can remember when we were were children and we had to memorize the Ten Commandments and even was it was a lot of don't do that 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 at least you knew how God felt about your habits and your no-nos so there was a relief in it because it wasn't a big question mark anymore about what God thought about things you knew he didn't like you sinning he didn't like you being disobedient to your parents and talking back to them he didn't like you not getting up going to church on Sunday you know that kind of stuff so you understood something about God whereas anytime you get answers eternal answers that brings enlightenment to you whether you can do them or not you're enlightened anyway it's the same thing to a degree in the new testament a lot of stuff we can't do but we walk around real joyful about it you know you you hear about somebody who prayed and and got uh, hundreds or, or thousands of people saved at a crusade and you say wow that's wonderful you can't do that yourself you understand one day you might be able to but in your world that's a, a big deal but you can delight in it because you know it's possible and so it's the same thing with the Old Testament there was glory in that law because now they knew how God stood but also with the law of Moses there was a remedy for the broken law there was always a remedy and it was the same sacrifice it was the shedding of blood there were specific sacrifices laid out for specific transgressions of the law there was always also the curse for the broken law which was a sign that something was wrong if the curse fell on your life it was a, a, a warning bell go get you know uh, the little lamb over there and let's go to the priest and get this straightened out that's what that meant and so when we understood that the curse was broken by the shedding of blood you understand what I'm saying? You can always you could always go to the priest and make atonement. If you didn't make atonement, you lived out the life of the curse. It could go on for many years, depending upon how strongly God felt about what you did. But the minute atonement was made, that curse was broken and that law was satisfied and that was lifted and you get back in fellowship and get back on top of that if you just really were broken didn't have a sacrifice there was the the year of jubilee if you lived long enough you could wait it out and everything was returned back to you and people got free stuff and you could start over again there was a remedy that you could look forward to and that was the glory of the old testament law there were remedies for people you weren't just stuck uh, down the road with with no recourse and, and no help for you so when you stepped off the glory road there was a way back you see there's always a way back even under the old testament there was a way back so repentance is the way back onto the road and and what it really entails is that you look at yourself and you see you're off somewhere without god and you say oh god i didn't know i dropped your hand i'm sorry let me get back on here again what did i do you understand what i'm saying and it's that simple because it involves repentance involves more a turning of your mind back 
toward God instead of toward the things that you pursue in in carnal life and and drawing attention to yourself and being self-absorbed and all that kind of stuff and so that's that's something that we need to keep in mind so it is the way back to the road the change in your mind and your heart and you say you know what I'm nothing without you God I don't feel good doing this kind of stuff I want to get back to where I'm supposed to be so the other thing you need to know about the glory road always and it always was and always will be it is a narrow road it is a narrow road under the old testament they had converts you know you could uh, the first circumcision was was full of people that weren't uh, born in the household there was the servants remember Abraham's servants were circumcised everybody in the house was circumcised and so there have always been converts allowed in under the glory road it's not like some religions that are exclusive and they want to kill everybody that's not like them this is something where you know you won't have much of a world if you wind up killing everybody that you think isn't right God didn't even do that he got me he made a way in fact it's 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 recorded that that there seldom seldom were some of the laws carried out even under the old testament law like there was a law that says that you could uh, your if your child talked back to you was rebellious you could take them to the elders at the gate and they could the penalty was stoning for a rebellious child it's it's thought that that was never carried out why because mercy always is greater than the law even in the human heart so they couldn't even find a human being to carry that thing out the most murderous people you'll find are the religious leaders they have no qualms about stoning somebody to death for anything but in just in say in a family situation or neighborly situation some of the things that were uh, death was a penalty uh, very few records of those things ever being brought to the elders you got me so God puts not only his law in the hearts but he puts a degree of compassion with that law the way it's ministered and carried out even under the old covenant you'll see that and so uh, it, but in Matthew 7 verse 14 <clears throat> Jesus said straight is the gate and narrow the way which leads to life and few there be that find it man there's a broad gate with a broad way that everybody else is on and so when we think about the glory road we think about a road that has some limitations some restrictions he's got to stay in faith and in righteousness to stay on this road there's not a lot of room for foolishness playing around wasting time self-indulgence all those things and there are trials on the road the trying of your your faith can you stay in the steps of Jesus can you stay in the steps of faith or do you get some kind of fatigue or some kind of excuse to bow out and camp out on the sides and even go off and play and and round in things that you're not supposed to be involved in narrow implies danger so you need a guide who can lead and empower you in case you get weary along the way and remember that we're using up our spiritual energy 
in order to stay on this road? Can you stop and get refreshed? Can you tell Jesus when you don't understand why you're on this road so long and and it's taken a long time to get your breakthrough and so forth can you discuss that with the author and the completer of your faith and if you can you will stay on that road and you will be empowered in your weariness and he will send somebody to help you finish the race with patience and that somebody is usually the holy spirit or god will send a word when you when you need encouragement he he has all kinds of ways to help and encourage us if you look at the way jesus interacted with people when they came to him with needs and with prayer he stayed with them until their faith clicked in and they got it and that's his job with us on the glory road he stays with us until our faith clicks in and we get it and sometimes that's upsetting to people because they don't want they want to feel sorry for themselves they want to quit they want to have a reason uh, to moan and complain and then that's when you step off the road you're not moving along anymore and so when you once you make up your mind that you you can do this and, and you want to get moving or you get sick of just sitting around and watching everybody else get blessed the other thing that'll motivate you jealousy will move a lot of people to do things that love won't hello well sure and so you know it it's short lived but it'll get you up and get you moving until love takes over you got me it'll get you out of that mindset of sitting and doing nothing until love takes over so in speaking about trials along the road i was uh uh was remember the uh excerpt i was going to read to you yesterday i think i can insert it in now uh this is from george mueller's narratives on answers to prayer man answers to prayer he says yea however weak our faith may be God will try it so he has no pity on the weak you got me he makes you use your faith the thing that I think the example I think about uh, constantly is about Job and what sad condition he was in and God still made him get out get up and go winting (laughs) he had to went for his healing however weak our faith may be God will try it only with this restriction that as in every way he leads on gently gradually patiently so with reference to the trial of our faith so also with reference to the trial of our faith so the way he leads he's not Uh, pushing you ahead of where you can go you know he's guiding you in it at first our faith will be tried very little in comparison with what it will be it may be afterwards so in other words the trials don't get smaller they get bigger as you go along with God for God never lays more upon us than he is willing to enable us to bear now when the trial of faith comes we are naturally inclined to distrust God and to trust rather in ourselves or in our friends or in our circumstances isn't that the truth you hit that that wall and you know you can't go any further and you start looking around for things in the natural to get you out of it he said we will rather work a deliverance of our own somehow or other than simply look to God and wait for his help 
But if we do not patiently wait for God's help, if we work a deliverance of our own, then the next trial of our faith, it will be thus again. You see, you you have to do a do-over when you cop out and take another way. He says we're. He says the next trial of our faith will be that way again. We shall be again inclined to deliver ourselves, and thus, with every fresh instance of that kind, our faith will decrease. So the more you take things matters into your own hands the smaller and smaller. See you sacrifice one for the other. Both can't live and be strong at the same time. This is this is the covenant. You can't have both strong. If you were as strong in the flesh as you were in the spirit all the time we'd be monsters running around here. So you sacrifice one in, in, in favor of the other. He says we will rather work a deliverance of our own somehow or other than simply look to God and wait for his help. But if we do not patiently wait for God's help, if we work a deliverance of our own, then at the next trial our faith, our faith it will be that way again. We shall again be inclined to deliver ourselves and thus with every fresh instance of that kind our faith will decrease. While on the contrary were we to stand still. In order to see the salvation of God, to see his hand stretched out on our behalf, trusting in him alone, then our faith would be increased. And with every fresh case in which the hand of God is stretched out on our behalf in the hour of the trial of our faith, our faith would be increased yet more. We would, be, we would believer, therefore, have his faith strengthened. He must especially give time to God. Let me see what it says. The would, would the believer therefore have his faith strengthened? In other words in order to have your faith strengthened. You must especially give time to God. Who tries his faith in order to prove his child. In the end how willing he is to help him and deliver him. The moment it is good for him. And so God wants he does this in order to prove. Prove himself to us and prove us to him so that we will know how willing he is to help us at all times and deliver us. In the early years of the institution, he's talking about his orphanage for children, Mr. Mueller and his fellow laborers had to endure many severe trials of faith as some of these instances show. Mr. Mueller when writing for this period says... Though now July 1845 for about seven years our funds have been so exhausted that it has been a rare case that they have been means in hand to meet the necessities of more than a hundred persons for three days together. Yet I have been only once tried in spirit and that was on September 18th 1838 so that was what seven years ago. When for the first time the Lord seemed not to regard our prayer. But when he did send help at that time and I saw that it was only for the trial of our faith and not because he had forsaken the work. See this is the other thing the enemy will start to play with your mind when God doesn't show up when you think he should. And when he gets uncomfortable waiting. And he says... <clears throat> And we, we saw it was only for the trial of our faith. And this is what we have to keep in mind as believers. 
You know, people don't teach this stuff anymore. It's like faith is so easy. All you do is confess, receive, and believe, and then half the people try it and it doesn't work for them. You don't have an answer for those people. The answer is your faith is being tried to see what quality it is. See if it'll hold up. You don't know until it's tried. And he says, we found out he had not forsaken the work. That we were brought so low, my soul was so strengthened and encouraged that I have not only not been allowed to distrust the Lord, but I have not been even cast down when in the deepest poverty since that time. You see what a true test of faith will do for you? He says he's not only, uh, he's not even had a down day observing things in the natural. I mean, take no thought. Consider not, huh? That's the kind of life he was able to live. August twentieth, eighteen thirty eight, the five pounds which I had received on the eighteenth had been given for the housekeeping, so that today I was again penniless. But my eyes were up to the Lord. I gave myself to prayer this morning, knowing that I should want again this week at least 13 pounds, if not above 20. Today, I received 12 pounds in answer to prayer from a lady who was staying at Clifton whom I had never seen before. Adorable Lord, grant that this may be a fresh encouragement to me. And then a solemn crisis regarding one of the sharpest times of trial, Mr. Mueller writes, September 10th, 1838, Monday morning, neither Saturday nor yesterday had any money come in. It appeared to me how needful to take some, now needful to take some steps on account of our need. That is, to go to the orphan houses, call the brethren and sisters together who except for Brother T had never been informed about the state of the funds. State the case to them. See how much money was needed for the present. Tell them that amidst all this trial of faith I still believe that God would help and to pray with them especially also I meant to go for the sake of telling them that no more articles must be purchased than than we have the means to pay for but to let there be nothing lacking in any way to the children as it regards nourishing food and needful clothing for I would rather at once send them away than they should, should lack I meant to go for the sake also of seeing whether there were still articles remaining which had been sent for the purpose of being sold or whether there were any articles really needless that we might turn them into money I felt the matter was now come to a solemn crisis about half past nine sixpence came in which had been put anonymously into the box at Gideon Chapel this money seemed to me like an earnest that God would have compassion and send more so that was a God's earnest deposit in response to his request. He's doing that to encourage his heart. God is not trying to torture us and discourage us and make us wait forever in torment. Just get that out of our minds. When it's not coming soon enough you need to start encouraging yourself in the Lord because he will deliver. 
And so God sent that to him. He says in an earnest that he would have compassion and send more. About 10 after I returned from Brother Craig to whom I had unbosomed my heart again. So you always need a prayer partner. You always need somebody that can encourage you in God. While once more in prayer for help a sister called who gave two sovereigns to my wife for the orphans. Stating that she had felt herself stirred up to come and that she had delayed coming already too long. So this is the other thing with answers to prayer. God has to move somebody to do these things. And if you quit and get discouraged and weep and carry on, that'll never happen. You have to go back and go back until you get that relief when you're living by faith. You do what's necessary to do. You talk to God as many times as you need to. You don't run around quoting scriptures at God trying to impress him with your confession. This is beyond that, folks. This is not game playing This is, or formulas. This is relationship. And so <clears throat> this lady had been meaning to come, meaning to come, meaning to come. I don't know how many people I've talked to that finally show up at a meeting here. Oh, I, I saw your flyer years ago and I just haven't been here yet. You know, uh, people. People put things off. Essential things they put off. So a few minutes she said she'd already delaying coming too long a few minutes after when I went to the room where she was she gave me two sovereigns more and all this without knowing the least about our need just obeying God thus the Lord most mercifully has sent us a little help to the great encouragement of my faith see he knows when you're at the point of doubting him when you're at the point of doubting whether God really wants to bless you or he will send something to encourage your faith. You got me? Thus the Lord was mercifully sent us a little help to the great encouragement of my faith. A few minutes after I was called on for the money, uh, I was called on for money from the infant orphan house to which I sent two pounds, etc., etc., to the boys over and so forth and so on. September 17, 1838, the trial still continues. It is now more and more trying even to faith as each day comes. Truly the Lord has wise purposes in a Allowing us to call so long upon him for help. But I am sure God will send help if oops sorry about that if we can but wait. One of the laborers had had a little money come in of which he gave us twelve shillings. Another laborer gave us eleven, so forth and so on, uh, and which partly had come in and partly was in hand, enabled us to pay what we needed to be paid and to purchase provisions so that nothing yet in any way has been lacking. This evening I was rather tire, tired respecting the long delay of larger sums coming in, but being led to go to the scriptures for comfort, my soul was greatly refreshed and my faith again strengthened by the 40, 44th Psalm so that I went very cheerfully to meet with my dear fellow laborers for prayer see this going to the word building your faith when you're in a trial must be done when discouragement sets in and you keep putting it off longer and longer and longer and longer <coughs> You've skipped the place. You've stepped off the glory road, really. You're on to, you know, just hiding now from God. Not wanting him to talk about these things with you. 
says I read to them the psalm and sought to cheer their hearts through the precious promises contained in it. September 18th brother T had 25 shillings in hand and I had 3. This 1 pound 8 enabled us to buy meat and bread which was needed. A little tea for one of the houses and milk for all. No more than this is needed. Thus the Lord has provided not only for this day. For, for Provided not only for this day. For there is bread for 2 days in hand. Now however we are come to an extremity. The funds are exhausted. The laborers who had a little money have given as they as as long as they had any left now observe how the Lord helped us a lady from the neighborhood of London who brought a parcel of money a parcel with money from her daughter arrived four or five days since in Bristol and took lodgings next door to the boys orphan house this afternoon she herself kindly brought me in the money uh, amounting to three pounds two shillings we have been reduced so low as to be on the point of selling those things which could be spared but this morning I had asked the Lord if it might be to prevent the necessity of our doing so that the money had been so near the orphans houses for several days without being given is a plain proof that it is from the beginning in the heart of God to help us but because he delights in the prayers of his children he had allowed us to pray so long also to try our faith and to make the answer so much sweeter it is indeed a precious precious deliverance I burst out into loud praises and thanks the money the the first moment I was alone after I received the money I met with my fellow laborers again this evening for prayer and praise their hearts were not a little cheered this money was this evening divided and will be comfortably provided for all that will be needed for tomorrow so that's his relationship you see what I'm saying the glory road he maintains his position on that road at all times through prayer praise getting promises from the word to increase his faith not diminish it and walk away from it but to keep his faith at a respectable level so that he can expect God to move for him so this is how you stay on the road folks you stay on the road through prayer and through worship and through reading the word encouraging yourself not resisting encouragement but you go to the word to get encouraged and to to reach out to God so that he can help you so you need help to get across that finish line in faith. So <clears throat> the other point on the Old Testament uh, uh, um, uh, glory road was uh, when Israel did step off the road as in desiring a king. God sent prophets to preach repentance to them to get back on the road to glory. And this went on for about 1500 years until the time of Christ. And in that span of time God established his law as the standard for human behavior. I don't care where you go in the world. Everybody knows what the Ten Commandments are pretty much and what they mean. So God was able through his system of preaching and through his called out people to establish his law in the earth. There is no society where you can go where killing is legal. Except in countries now where it's through abortion. The devil's always trying to get legalized killing somewhere. But taking innocent life is forbidden. And, and everybody knows it. Stealing is, is not encouraged. It's, there's laws against stealing everywhere. 
So in that span of time God established his law as the standard for human behavior both toward himself and toward one another. So the Ten Commandments deal with our relationship to God and our relationship to one another. The cross is a symbol of the summation of God's purpose for mankind. In the cross there is a vertical pole crossed by a horizontal pole. And that is a symbol of God's atonement and reconciliation of man toward him. The upward and man to one another. The cross. And so, and, and the, that is the only commandment left. Is that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and Jesus said the first one, the second commandment is, is, is equal to the first and the same as it. That we love, uh, our neighbor as ourself. And so through the pure sacrifice of his son, the shedding of his blood, he reconciles man to himself and all of humankind to one another so we have the reemergence of the naked worshiper somebody who comes before god with no trappings no nothing just free access to the throne you can call on god anytime you want to lay down your sins and burdens and come in and enjoy fellowship with god you don't have to to conjure up anything special with him just enter in respectably and thanksgiving and and praise and and you're you're in the presence of God so in the glory road the new testament part of the glory road we have the free access because of that atoning work at Calvary the great commission then becomes an expression of Jesus's uh, atonement on the cross so when you carry out the great commission that is your that is the expression of what God did at Calvary that's what that means that means you carry with you inside of you the reality of that and you're able to um uh, uh reconcile man to God freely and man to one another freely as a way of expressing God's love to humanity we are commanded to forgive one another. To quickly and instantly forgive. And that kind of, of work is accomplished because you're on the road to glory. You stay on that road. On the on the glory road forgiveness comes real easily. It's not a thing where you got to struggle, think about something and wonder. You just release it. You got me. It becomes a habit and an act of maintaining your place on the glory road so when a person steps into the road this road in the new covenant you do it the same way they did in the old it's a blood entry into that glory road Uh, in Matthew 16 I'm going to turn there real quick Jesus said 16.24 If any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. If anybody will save his life he'll lose it. 
If you lose your life, you give it up freely yourself, you'll find more life and life more abundantly. In other words, you'll find the glorious life that I have prepared for you. So when a person steps onto the glory road, the New Testament glory road, it is done by laying down his life as a symbol of his death, which is necessary for a covenant with God. It's a life for a life. Whatever Jesus done and re- did in reality, you must do symbolically and by the Spirit. So you're symbolizing death to your old ways, your goals, purposes. All of that is laid down. John the Baptist declared the way of the Lord to enter into the kingdom. So this must be declared that's why we go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature we're preparing the way of the Lord when we do that true followers of Jesus were repentant people and they were humble people till they hit a stumbling block remember this, his discourse on eating his flesh and drinking his blood and they said many people turned away at that saying but many followed got me and so it, it this is the narrow road it gets thinned out and thinned out the more we understand about God the more you know him the more you realize he don't play he don't give you time to play and he wants his work accomplished in the earth and he has chosen you as one of the ones to do it over 40 times in the New Testament Jesus commanded people to follow me follow me in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. There went out from him all of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were baptized of him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Baptisms we have nowadays is just dunking water. It's nothing. You got me? It's only symbolic. Many people get saved later, and you say, "Were you baptized? Yeah, but I. Well, were you saved? No, I just got born again. You know, so and so and such and such. So it's it's something that it's easy to pull out of tradition and make it of none effect. If the word's not applied there, it is of none effect. You got me. And so he says, John was clothed with camel's hair. And with a girdle of a skin of his loins and did eat locusts and wild honey and preached saying there comes one mightier than I after me. The latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So I true identifying with Jesus and true walking with him on the glory road includes the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can't stay uh, close to God without the fullness of the Holy Spirit to connect you with him. 
The Holy Spirit is your connector. And you must have, there must be no restriction in what you allow the Holy Spirit access to if you're going to be successful in this walk with God. So there are a lot of times, you know, people come in, well, I'm, I've got the Holy Ghost and I'm born again and I, well, never, I don't pray in tongues. Well, you need this. You got me? Uh, people don't understand that. But it's very, very necessary so that this life is productive fruitful and real to you it's hard to live this life without being empowered with all the fruit of the spirit and the baptism number one will give you the fruit of the spirit it's not so much about power power outside of you but it's power to keep you on the road you got me and so these are are things we we need to understand are important aspects and elements of the christian faith so true followers of Jesus they, we said are repentant people humble people they followed him everywhere and they lived to hear his word remember Peter said Jesus when, when the, he gave the discourse on the, the body and the blood and the people left and Jesus looked at Peter and he said are you going to leave me also and Peter said where are we going to go <laughs> he said not back to the synagogue that's with the dead people he said you've got the words of life see the words of Jesus bring life you can tell if you're in the life of the spirit or not because life come pours out of you onto other people religion legalism and death are not a part of what Jesus offers us okay so on this road you are in fellowship with God and you're never alone that's what you the this I'm lonely thing is the enemy's lies to your mind because you think you owe yourself to be miserable for a while. You know how people are. We get in the habit. You know, I used to go on a crying jack for four days when this happened to me. You know, you think you owe yourself a time out of following God. Like it's a big deal for you. On this road, we fellowship with God. We're not alone. The Lord even works with us, confirming his word. And he's able to help our steps as we walk on this road. The life we have in God is full enough. You know, he offers us companionship, fellowship, first with him and then with others of like precious faith. When you obey God, it'll amaze you the amazing people you'll run into. You'll see people that, boy, they think just like me. You know, they're doing the same thing we're doing over here. I mean, they're, you know, they're really in the flow of what God has, you know. And then there's the religious that, you know, bum you out a little bit. They're not on the road. You got me? Either sneaked on or you stumbled off, but get back on the road again so that you can experience the fullness with him. There are certain stops on the road that we know are answers to prayer. Mark 11.23 guarantees that. All you have to do is stay in faith. Believe you receive when you pray. I kind of look at it as Jesus is walking with you. You know prayer is not some big thing that you got to. Oh it's so hard to get your breakthrough. and It's just conversation with God. Bearing your heart to him. Sharing with him what you believe he says is, is yours in the word. And getting that strengthened out, strengthened and solidifying, and solidified. And then Jesus leads you into that promise and you stop on the road and you're able to enjoy it. You're able to enjoy it in the Holy Ghost. 
Which means you don't get in the flesh with it. You don't go brag about it to everybody and try to make people jealous because you got something. But you're able to enjoy it the way that you enjoy it with him first. You rejoice in the Lord. And there's great occasion to rejoice when he answers prayer. Be careful that same old mindset, discouragement, and disillusion is waiting for you at every turn. The minute the enemy sees you start to rejoice, he'll remind you of something that God hasn't done yet. You got me? But you stay in that boat of rejoicing. I say, devil, if you think I'm happy now, I'm going to really have a party when he brings. Because you've been bugging me about that for the longest time. You got me? And so we partake of his joy. And your joy becomes full. John 15.11 and 16.24 promises the fullness of joy to believers. So you can make requests. There's great liberty on this road. You can ask anything in his name. He says ask me anything. In other words I want to hear from you. I want to hear about your greatest dreams, your greatest hopes, your greatest concerns. I want to hear about everything. So expectation is high on the glory road. So when we're on this road, life is carefree. And there's great peace and there's great satisfaction. And they envelop you at every turn. So we don't have to work anything up. We don't have to pretend that it's okay. Because all is well and we know it. We walk in that. There are certain perks on the road. Ephesians 3.20 ensures that. A perk is like the unexpected gift that you, when you, is, have you ever just gotten something from God and you couldn't trace it back to a prayer or request and then you feel like, well, I better make up the fact that I prayed for it or else that wouldn't make sense to anybody. You got me? That kind of thing. The one that blows your mind and baffles your thinking. And so it's the unexpected gift that you didn't expect or ask for. And it fits in with what Ephesians 3.20 says. Exceeding abundantly. According to the power that works in you. So you must have released faith in something similar to that. But when God brought it in he was able to add to it because of that scripture. So that allows him to do extravagant things for us. Abundant things for us. And great things for us. The abundance and extravagance comes because you are able to use the faith that you have toward him. And he sees that and according to his word he must reward it. So he has to go over and above what we ask or think in order for him to really be true to his word. He can't deny himself. He can't stand back there and be stingy and be God and be faithful and true to his word. He has to add more to what it is that we ask for. Sometimes we'll be thinking, oh boy, if I could just get a a 3% raise. And he'll totally turn the thing totally around. You know, give you a different department of promotion or something like that. Or or a bonus or, you know, something that comes with a bonus. I remember years ago we were praying for 
my husband to get um, bonuses he had in the past he switched from working in in uh, manufacturing or production it, the whole plant was manufacturing but he was in human resources which they said don't produce nothing but paper that's his last <laughs> boss told him that y'all don't produce nothing but paper over there is you know you know pushing those steel that was a whole thing if you push in steel and get real product out that we can sell you're entitled to the bonus but if you're pushing paper you get not a and so we just continue to pray anyway and so the next boss that came in said well you know everybody on the same level should get the same thing remember David at Ziklag and there were some men that stayed behind because they were too tired to go and he said don't you cheat he said they're entitled to the ones that stay back behind and watch the stuff are entitled the same way as the ones who go out and conquer and so that came to pass for us and he was entitled to raises which when we when I looked at what we had been praying for his salary that brought him up to that prayer being answered so God will do whatever he needs needs to do in order to get that if you have an amount that you and God have settled on and you stay faithful to believe God for that he'll bring that to you if you have to create a new door for it he'll bring that to you because he's a faithful God so we we need to understand the glory road folks stay on that road don't you get off for anybody don't get off to gossip with somebody or listen to somebody whine too long or you know offer to pray with them and say "Uh -uh, we're not going to accept this this is not what God has for you Uh, he's got more for you so let's pray and get this off of you so that you can live a life of great expectation in God because that's what he has for us folks we need to remember that praise God amen father in heaven we thank you for the opportunity to understand and to know these things to be blessed by them in every way and we thank you Lord that you are a God of glory you are the God of glory and you've ordained great things for us and we thank you for them and we bless you for them Father in Jesus name Amen praise God if anybody needs prayer come on up